0: Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Well, hey, now that we're officially through Thanksgiving, uh, we can celebrate the best time of year, Christmas season. Who loves Christmas in here? You know, I, I endure Thanksgiving to get to Christmas, and uh, I'm glad that is behind us now. And uh, I love Christmas because it is a, it's a comfortable time of year, is it not? I, I have a lot of things that we do. Does anybody here, you have family traditions, family traditions. Every Christmas, you got to do some of the same things. Wow, not a lot of you, or we're not awake, or we're not responding. I need you to talk. Here we go. Okay, a couple of you. Um, I love Christmas because we got traditions that we do every year. Um, I'm not kidding when I say this. You could be repulsed by it. It is a little gross, I'm not going to lie. Um, starting in October, whenever eggnog hits the stores, I begin consuming it, and by the time December, 31st hits and they decide to take it off the shelf. I have consumed anywhere from about five to 10 gallons of eggnog. So gym memberships increase because of people like me. Um, but I love it. Every year we go up, we cut our own tree down out of. The, it's I always say, the whitest thing that I do as I drive out to the National Forest, and I cut my own tree down. Uh, this year, we, we had to do some family pictures, so we went up to Apple Hill and endured the, the Apple Hill traffic. But I love Christmas because, man, I just, most times of the year, I'm running hard. I think most of you would agree with, with, with work and everything going on in life. Like, we run hard. And for me, Christmas season from December to, to January Like, you probably won't see me too much. Like, I'm gonna be hanging out at home, watching all 350,000 Christmas movies that there are out there. I'm gonna be drinking eggnog, I'm gonna be hanging out with my family. Like, this is just what I do. But I love it because Christmas is like, you know, if I can say it in one word, Christmas is a comfortable season. I did find something recently that's not as comfortable. Uh, Disneyland. Disneyland's not comfortable. Anybody been to Disneyland before in here and just like instantly maybe even regretted it just right away? Uh, we had, have you saw, we had our our twin boys back in April and we thought we hadn't been on a vacation and, you know, typically if you have one baby, like, somebody will hook it up and be like, yo, I'll do child care for you, like, you guys go on a vacation with two that's completely off the table. So we had to take both of them and we said, we can go anywhere on vacation, where would we go? I said, let's take them on a vacation, they'll never remember. Let's go to Disneyland. Now, (laughs) This was for my wife's birthday, and just a little heads up, uh, this was completely for her, even though it was said it was for the babies, it was completely for my wife. And uh, we, get, we get down there, and uh, Disneyland is made for somebody like me. I like the slows that are, that are low and slow, they're colorful, I love the detail in Disneyland. If you've been to, to Disneyland before, like, you know the detail they put into everything there. Um, So I love Disneyland for that, all right? The kid rides are made for me. Like, I don't like anything scary. Uh, The second day, we're on a family vacation. I got my niece and my nephew with me as well. Uh, We go to the Adventure Park. Now, who's been to Adventure in here? Disney Adventure. Okay, first time there. I don't like scary rides. This is not the place for me. So we get to Disneyland, and we we go to the Adventure Park on a Tuesday, which I don't know why the park is so full on a Monday and a Tuesday. These kids should be in school, but yet it's it's full anyways. um, little, Little review right there. And so... So Tuesday, we're in the park, and right away, my my nephew's like, yo, let's go on the Incredicoaster. Now, I didn't know what this was, so I'm like, yeah, sign me up, let's do this thing. Um, I get up to the ride, and I'm seeing what it looks like, and right away, I I just realized, I just signed my death warrant on this thing. I'm like, I'm gonna die today. And uh, you know when they have the pictures, you get off the ride, and there's all these pictures of what your face looked like? The entire ride, my eyes were closed, and I'm screaming, ah, the entire time. I'm like, you can just tell I'm not having a good time. Why? For me, I think vacations should always be comfortable. Now, I don't understand the people. Can I just show a hand real quick? Who likes the scary, high, fast rides in here? You're the lunatics, okay? You're the crazy ones. You raised your hands. You self-admittedly just said, I'm crazy. Um, I, I, think, I think if I'm gonna go to a park or do anything on vacation, it should be comfortable. Like, you should serve me. My bed should be perfect. The pillows should be fluffed every morning. Like, things should be good. I don't wanna go and pay all this money at a Disneyland park to feel like I'm gonna die the entire time. I have so many better ways I could spend my money. I could drink eggnog and not feel like I'm gonna die, but yet I'm on a roller coaster questioning my life decisions as I'm upside down 100 feet in the air. And uh, my nephew right after that, was, he was juiced as all kids would be. He's like, yo, let's go on another one. And right away I'm like, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm pushing the stroller the rest of the time. I'm eating the pretzel. I'm hanging out with Mickey. Like, that's gonna be me the rest of the day. You guys have fun. Day, or hour after hour, kept asking me, let's go on this ride, let's go on that ride. And I kept saying no. I said, why would I wanna pay money to feel like I'm gonna die. And it's like this moment where it hit me, like all of us actually have this because we can all say like life at times can feel just like a roller coaster, can it? Highs and lows, you're upside down at some point, you don't even know how you got there, you're throwing up, it's ugly, it's a mess, there's pictures of you and you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> this is what life could be like at times. And it hit me as I decided I'm not getting on any more rides that in life we're all gonna face this decision in life whether we're gonna choose comfort or we're gonna choose courage. Like we're all gonna be faced with decisions in life where we're gonna have to choose one or the other and this is a decision that we're gonna face time after time. Some ways that I I think about how we gotta choose comfort or courage is like every one of you is gonna have a resolution come January unless you're super super saved in here you're like, I don't need resolutions, I live ready. For the rest of us normal people, we're gonna make resolutions and try to get better next year Um, and then you're gonna try to sign up for a gym in January, you're gonna pay absurd amounts of money and then by February 1st, you won't be in the gym the rest of the year and you're gonna to need to choose courage to go back to the gym or comfort to stay home and keep watching Netflix. Like Some of you, uh, even in relationships, like you're gonna to need to choose either courage or comfort when it comes to conflict in relationship. Am I gonna have the hard conversations or am I gonna sweep it under the rug and pretend that it's not even there because comfort will tell you to sweep it under the rug. Courage will tell you you need to have a hard conversation. And with every moment in our lives, we're gonna be faced with the decision, am I gonna face this with courage Or am I gonna face this with comfort? We're gonna read, as we're in this new series, um, out of the book of Luke, Luke chapter one, um, about the angel Gabriel, a little context. This angel Gabriel is one of two angels named in all of scripture, um, him and and Michael the archangel, the only two mentioned by name in all of the scriptures. Now, um, Gabriel the archangel, you gotta understand, if you've ever read your Bible, um, or maybe you just opened it up before, what you'll find is the very last page in the Old Testament Then the very first page of the New Testament, there's a blank page normally right in between. Do you know why? What this signifies is that there was 400 years of silence between God and man. Like, you ever felt like God went silent on you? Like, this is real time. Like, God went silent on everybody. God wasn't speaking to pastors, evangelists. He wasn't speaking to the prophets. Like, nobody was getting a word from God. And then all of a sudden, Matthew chapter 1 actually says at first that, Angel Gabriel comes down from God. His name literally means he stands in the presence of God. He comes out of the presence of God, comes down to a woman named Elizabeth and a guy named Zachariah who are really old in age, have never been able to have children, and then in their old age, Gabriel tells them, you're gonna have a child. You've been called barren, but now you're gonna conceive a child and have one in your old age. It's a miracle. What happens six months later is that same angel, angel Gabriel in Luke chapter one, comes over to somebody named Mary, who we all know from the nativity scenes, or you've seen it in the Christmas story, comes to a woman named Mary, and he says, you are gonna conceive and bear a child, and she's like, yo, how is that gonna happen? I'm a virgin, this doesn't make sense. So we can see that he stopped now, and just a little, little more context, when the angel Gabriel stopped with Elizabeth and Zechariah first, they had a son named John, who we know as John the Baptist, who is the cousin of Jesus. So this is what's happening. The angel Gabriel's stopping by, making visits, and he's doing miracles, and he drops this word in Luke chapter one. Turn there with me if you can. Luke chapter one, verse 26. Uh, Who's got their paper Bible in here, by the way? Yeah, these people, the special people. God sees you. A little bit more, too. A little bit more. Pray some more audacious prayers. Luke chapter one, verse 26. And if you don't have your Bible, no worries. We've got a giant screen behind me that you can read them off of. Luke chapter one, verse 26. Says this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, Greetings, O favor one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting that might be. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be be born will be called Holy, the Son of God." And behold, your, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing, somebody say nothing, nothing, will be impossible with God. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from you. Turn to your neighbor and say, let it, let it be. Now turn to option number two and say, hey, you look good today. <laughs> Just so we can make some friends while we're still here. You know, as I'm reading this story, um, it became really apparent that, that not just for Mary, but for all of us in this life, um, in order to live a life on purpose and with purpose, we're going to need courage for the calling. And every single one of you, whatever your calling in life may be, you're going to need to choose courage in that calling. And I think the first gift that we're reading out of Luke chapter 2, where this whole series is based out of. One of the gifts, I believe, that that God wanted to grant some people today that maybe have been lacking it is that God wants to give you the gift of courage, not the gift of comfort. Now, understand me. like There's a time where God gives comfort. Scripture says over and over where there's times where God gives comfort. Comfort when you're mourning, comfort when you're grieving, comfort in difficult times. But the reality is, is we have distorted our prayer life and turned comfort into more margin and safety for myself. And I think that if God granted you the wish or the prayer that you have prayed for God, give me more comfort just so I can live a more lavish and plush lifestyle, it would be doing you a disservice. So instead of giving you an easy life, God says, how about I give you courage because you will walk through things that are difficult. And God wants to give you courage for your calling. They actually, I was reading this report recently about a study, a poll they did on an elderly community of people that were on their deathbed. They said they were a couple breaths away from dying. And they asked them one question. They said, if you can go back on life and change one thing, what would it be? Or another way they said is, what is your biggest life regret? And nearly 100% of them had the same exact answer. And it wasn't what they did wrong in life. It was the things that they didn't do in life. Their biggest life regret, almost all of them said, I wish I would have taken more risks and I would have followed the dreams that were in my heart. And I think that this shows us what the propensity of humanity is, that we oftentimes will resort to comfort, won't we? And when we know that there's something that we gotta do, a way that we gotta step out, live with our life being, God, I'm gonna take a step forward when I don't know what's next, we often will resort to saying, nah, like, things are good right here. I'm gonna stay right here. But can I tell you, life is such a short thing, isn't it? The Bible actually says that life is, is a breath, here today, gone tomorrow. And what I've found is that we oftentimes, myself included, We'll treat this temporary planet like it's eternity, and we'll treat eternity like it's temporary. And if we don't live in faith now, we might miss the blessing of knowing who God really is. And I don't want to sit at my table reading books and watching testimonies on a screen of all the things that God did for other people, but not for me because I lived too safe. And I think that there's some people today that the challenge is gonna be that there's been something in your heart that you have yet to step into because of fear. And the reminder from Gabriel, even to Mary, which is the same to us today, is do not fear. There is good news that will bring great joy that you can live with courage and God will meet you right where you are. See, we just came out of the the Parable Projects, which is an amazing uh, series that we did. If you weren't here, um, I think Pastor Caleb even shared a testimony that maybe that was, correct me if I'm wrong, the most salvations in any series we've ever had. Um, Incredible. You know what's the the most incredible thing about that is the parables, when Jesus was teaching parables, he said the reason he was teaching in parables is because people had eyes but they didn't see and ears but they didn't hear. And what I think, and he said that's because those people, their hearts were hardened. Which leads me to believe that as people in here that follow Jesus or maybe are considering following Jesus, When your heart is softened and surrendered to God, what happens is, is you and I can see what everybody else sees, and we can see it differently. We can hear what everybody else hears and hear it differently. But that only happens with a softened heart. And so I wanna ask you, like, what happens when, when there's interruptions in your life? Because as we read the story of Mary being visited by the angel Gabriel, like, Mary was engaged. Let me just drop the word, we're in church, so this is rated R, kids, close your ears. Mary hadn't had sex yet. (laughs) All right? She was living in the she was almost married. She was just like, we got a couple more months, honey. We're gonna get there. Don't worry. If you've been engaged, you know the struggle. We're almost there. Mary had not had sex. She's engaged. Gabriel comes down and is like, you're gonna get pregnant. She's like, What? How's that gonna happen? I'm still engaged, haven't had sex yet. Like, we're we hadn't done the dirty yet. And Mary, Mary, if you've been engaged, you've been in a relationship, you've thought about your future to any degree, Mary was in a place of her life where she was thinking about her future. Man, when we get married, we're gonna move to this city. We're gonna work these jobs. We're gonna go on these vacations. We're gonna do these things. All the normal, natural things that you and I do. Mary was thinking about this. And all of a sudden, the angel Gabriel had to come in and interrupt her story. And I think it's great that we're planners and we have plans and visions and dreams and things that we're gonna do, but please understand this. When you begin following Jesus, those plans are often going to get interrupted and going to get changed. And a lot of us in here can interpret that in our own lives, that we've had interruptions. And whether it's been from God or whether it's been from things that have happened to us, interruptions happen to all of us, don't they? And so Mary's life and journey at this point are interrupted. And I equate it to, as I'm reading about the, even Jesus calling the first disciples, like, Jesus is walking along the town and he sees these guys that are casting nets and catching fish and like what you gotta understand about the fishermen this time is like this was the job that they had been doing for generation upon generation. Like they were born into it like you were born like boom, you're a fisherman. Like if you, even if you didn't want that, you're a fisherman. But this was great because if you're in that profession, you were gonna make great money. And so Jesus is walking by these guys that are fishermen and he says these really dangerous words that a lot of us don't understand. He said leave everything behind and follow me. And I think that today, the problem that can happen is we take what theology should only come from here and not what we interpret it to be. And what I've found is that we will make our own internal theologies and think I can come to church Sunday by Sunday and say I have an active relationship with God, but I will not leave anything to follow him. And Jesus showed that the baseline of faith was beginning with leave everything behind and follow me. But this is challenging, isn't it? Because we read stuff like this, and if you take a moment to even get into this, you're like, uh, uh, like Jesus might want me to change my career? Like, Jesus might want me to follow after the thing that he's placed in my heart that would cost me a lot of money? Jesus might want me to, have to live in this house or in this community or marry this person? Yep, yep. And there's times where he's gonna ask you to leave things behind and follow him. But what I've found is so many times we're more married to our things than we are to Jesus. And the Bible actually tells us to return to our first love because we're not supposed to be married to God and dating the world. And so we have to get back to a place where we understand that my my hands are empty-handed. Whatever he asks of me to give, I will give. Even if you've had your own plans and agenda, please understand this. Following Jesus isn't safe for your plans. Following Jesus isn't safe for your 401k plans. It's not safe. Some people feel that. Some people, please God, understand me. Following Jesus is not safe for your agenda. Why? Because your purpose is so much bigger than you. But what the comfort zone is for you and for me is maximizing me. And purpose is maximizing others. And I think in here, we gotta understand first and foremost, your purpose is bigger than you are. I think I've I've found this... um, interruptions to be kind of funny in my life recently, which are challenging. I'm not gonna sit up here and be like, everything's great. Like, interruptions are hard. My, my, my daily reminder of interruptions right now, Beckham and Graham, my sons. It used to take me two to three hours to write a sermon. Now it's two to three business weeks. Like, it takes forever. I used to be able to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in 15 minutes. 15 minutes, who takes that long? <laughs> two minutes for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now it takes me two hours and I'm like, there's flies all over my jelly. I can't even eat that thing anymore. Like, babies are a constant reminder that interruptions happen. And I'm like, yo, like if they're crying, I gotta pick them up and cuddle them, which I, I will do for hours, no problem. Like I gotta change diapers, I gotta feed them. Like there's always interruptions happening. But what I've found is that anytime interruptions in our life happen, interruptions are an opportunity to build relationship. And I think for some of you, like you've been frustrated with where you are. feel you're like, man, God's not, God doesn't see me, God's not speaking to me, God's not doing anything in my life. But there's been interruption after interruption. And while it's been a burden to you, It might be an opportunity for God trying to speak to you. But the reality is, is if we have hardened hearts, we'll miss it. Because what I've found is that interruptions are actually opportunities. Like a lot of us have been like, yo, I I was dating a few people. I thought I was going to end in marriage. And then this thing just didn't work out. And you can see it as an interruption or you can say, God, I wonder why this person didn't work out. Maybe you got somebody even better for me. I was talking to someone the other day who's overqualified for every job they've applied to in the last six months and been turned down by all of them. My response was, man, I wonder what God is holding for you, that he would say no to every other door you knock on just to wait for you to walk through the right one. And I wonder for a lot of us that if we started seeing interruptions as opportunities, the faith that we can build in the waiting of what God's doing. Can I just tell you real quick, this isn't in my notes, I deleted it because I went over during the 8.30. The waiting season that you might be in right now is worth the wait and it's also worth the weight that it feels like it's on you. The waiting is always worth the wait because it's an opportunity because when things don't happen in our strength, in our ability, in our timelines, it's another indication that God has something different for you. I think in here that God's been, and I'm gonna settle on this, I, th- I think in here that there's been some people in here that have walked in and there's been some things in your heart you planned this, you've dreamed it, you've prepared for it, you've been waiting for it, God's put it in your life and you've just been waiting for this dream to plan, you've been waiting for this vision to come to fruition. Or maybe he's called you to something and it scares you. And because it scares you, you've been reluctant to say yes to it. And because you've been reluctant to say yes to it, it doesn't mean that it goes away, but daily there's a reminder when you wake up knocking on your your, your heart, God's calling you to something. And what I've found with people that God has called to something that you have yet to say yes to is, man, you can run all you want, but God will not let it go. Bible actually says in Revelation 3, verse 20, that, that God stands at the door, representation of your heart, knocking every day, that reminder that there's something different for you, there's something more for you. But I think that there's some people that have come in here today that there's something scary in your life that God has asked you to do, and you've been reluctant to say Yes. And the theme of my message today is this what I feel like God called me to say today to some, some people today, that he still sees you, that he still hears your prayers, that he's still working on those things, but he's waiting for your yes. But you can stay in the comfort zone and not experience really what, faith, what happens when faith comes to life, or you can step into courage and find what God will do when you step out into the unknown. See, Mary saying yes was stepping into the unknown would change her reputation, would change her future, would change her security. But she wasn't married to those things. And I wonder today if you are willing to step into the very thing that God has called you to because, friend, I can tell you this, it's better than what you can imagine. Fashion, the whole theme verse, Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly greater than anything you can ever ask, think, or imagine. You can't think up a better plan than what God has for you. You can't dream it up better. So I wonder if today, if we would get that into our hearts, the things that we'd be willing to let go of and say, God, I'm gonna leave everything behind and, and follow you. I think that there's some people today that just need to say yes to what God has been asking of them. But I, I gotta be honest, I think the moments that we step out, I'm not, the, I'm not the preacher that's gonna get up here and be like, yo, when you step out in faith, you, you just gotta have faith. There's gonna be no fear. Like, that's not a reality. Like, the moment you take a step out in faith, there's gonna be some fear. Why? Let's not be over-spiritual for a moment. It's the unknown. You don't know what's out there. You don't know what comes next. You don't know it, but I I think it's incredible that there's a representation. When, when, When God was bringing the Israelites, people who were in slavery for generations into the promised land, there was a waiting period called the wilderness. And in the wilderness, God gave a word to Moses that Moses told to the Israelites, which was every morning you wake up, Leave your tent, walk into the unknown, and I will make sure that there's manna from heaven. Now, this is good news because I love bread. So God's like, I'm going to pour bread down from heaven. Eat your fill, be stuffed, Thanksgiving meal, take care of duty. Do eat it all. But he said there's one caveat. Eat all the bread, bring nothing back to your tent. Now, this is crazy because if you actually think about this, this is not what we do. If I told you today that there's a bag of cash in the back, take only what you need for today, y'all be stuffing your pockets coming back with friends. But the reality is, is God said, there's gonna be bread for today, take nothing back, and tomorrow morning when you wake up, I'll have it for you again. And maybe this is for somebody that you've been struggling to find joy, you've been struggling to find peace, that God offers you daily bread. Like you come into his presence, and daily you can have joy. Daily, you can have peace. Daily, you can find hope. But here's the caveat. When God calls you to the unknown, this representation of what's happening to the Israelites is their true reality for us. When you walk in the unknown, God will give you what you need when you step out in faith. But a lot of you have settled with what you can get on your own. You've settled with the little amount of success that you can find on your own. But your success pales in comparison to the purpose that God has on your life. And I wonder if we're missing it. Because the greatest richness that you can bring to heaven with you is not your 401k, or your houses, or your community, or popularity. It's the people that you met on the way and helped lead them to Jesus. Souls are the only thing that we bring with us. And I wonder if this church today could represent a, a, a body of believers that say, I am rich in Jesus because I brought so many people along with me. The beauty of this church today is not that there's one or two that just show up by themselves, but one or two that come because five or ten reach out to them. I love the stories and the testimonies because what we watch on screens is not they just popped into church on a Sunday. Person after person invited them, and I wonder today if we would take inventory. Are you and this goes back to the parables? Are you truly rich with riches of this world, or riches because you're activating your purpose and watching other people find life and freedom in Jesus? What I found in Carly, um, I love my wife. We've been married for seven years now. Dating. We're still dating, we'll say dating for 15 years now. Um, And she's done this nonstop for the last 15 years. It annoys me every time. Um, Christmas season comes around, and her best gift, she puts the worst wrapping on I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but she'll give me a gift and say it's like this little, it's this little gift, all right? It's a little ring or something. She'll put it in a box, wrap it up, an absurd amount of wrapping, all right, absurd amounts. She put a box on it. She put another box on it. Eight boxes in. So I'm like, I'm like, yo, this thing's as big as a truck. I got a truck in here. And I started unboxing it. Layer after layer, I'm getting discouraged. I'm like, yo, this is not a truck. And I get down this little box, and now she's got her camera out. She's like, watch this, everybody. She gets her camera out. And I open it up, and it's not a truck, but it's a great gift. And I think that a lot of times, Favor can feel like this because favor doesn't always feel like favor, does it? And a lot of you, God has called you to something. God has asked something of you. And you're like, yo, since I stepped out in faith, since I've done the thing that God's asked of me, like there's been trial and opposition and pain and all these things that came along with it. But can I just, can I encourage you right now? That layer after layer of staying in obedience and faithfulness to God, can I promise you? There's favor in the middle. I could say it's a promise because as I look at Mary's life, it's 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 crazy to me that Gabriel shows up and twice he says the same thing. Now, now this is a little creepy. I need you to see what's going on. Gabriel shows up, and he's like, hey, he's all, hey Mary, oh favored one, the Lord is with you. Now he didn't show up and be like, hey Mary, I'm Gabriel. God sent me here. Like he walks up to her off the street, and he's like, What's up, favored one? God's with you. You're like, okay, <laughs> creepy. He's like trying to walk away He's like, and he gets in front. He's like, oh, favored one, God is with you. It's like this moment, like I'm reading scripture and this is actually what happens in my mind. Like you ever have somebody like, they just over compliment you and you're like waiting for them to ask for a favor? That's exactly what's going on here. He's like, favored one, God's with you. And the Bible says right after that, she was troubled and tried to discern what this meant. And then he says it again and she's like, all right, what you want? What you gonna ask for me? He's like, greetings, oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. She tries to discern it. Greetings, oh favorite one. The Lord is with you. And after, after she does this, after she says, Okay, okay, I'm here, I'm listening. What do you want? I find it pretty amazing that right in between her actually becoming obedient, and say, well, What is it? it? Says that she was afraid, which is what happens when God asks us to do something. And she tried to discern it. But a lot of times we do get stuck in discernment, don't we? Oh, I got to figure out what God was saying. So, like, three years go by, you're like, I'm still trying to figure it out. She was trying to discern it. And I find it incredible if you've ever done a word search in the Bible before. Um, I looked up these words, do not fear, because I kept seeing this pop up in the story over and over and over. I'm like, why does she keep fearing? Like, what's going on? Do not fear, do not fear. So I looked it up, words do not fear. Do you know how many times the word do not fear or fear not shows up in the Bible? 365 times. you know how many days there are in a year? 365 days in a year. Do you know Why? Because every day you wake up and decide, I'm gonna walk and follow the plan that God has for my life. I'm gonna step into the unknown even though I don't know what's next. You're going to be faced with some fear. And every day, like the daily bread that the Israelites were receiving is the same truth for you and me. Don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. I'm with you. You know what they called Jesus, the first name they gave him? Emmanuel. Because he's with us. So as he calls you into the unknown, you're not supposed to walk in it alone. And some of you have been frustrated, like, man, I thought I was walking through a door that God called me to. Turns out God wasn't calling me, it was my desire. It was my plans, and it didn't work out. But the Bible's so clear that nothing God calls you to, he will not grace you through. He'll be there with you. He'll walk you through it. I don't know who I'm talking to today. I don't know who's been reluctant. I don't know who's been stubborn. I don't know who stayed still when they're supposed to go, but today there's a reminder for you that he will walk with you wherever he calls you to, and what you need he will give you. I don't know who needs that reminder, but I need somebody to attach on to that. That if he's called you to it, he will grace you through it. It will always cost us something to walk by faith. People in here that have done it, you know. But the cost of living in comfort is so much higher. Paul actually writes in Philippians chapter one, what the greatest gift we could ever receive on this planet is, and can I just, Tell you the greatest gift is not courage. It's not living a life without fear. These are gifts, these are great. But the greatest gift that you and I will ever be afforded is knowing who Jesus truly is. Because a lot of people pray for healing without wanting the healer in their life. A lot of people will pray for provision without wanting the provider in their life. And so sometimes instead of giving you what you ask for, he gives you himself. This is why Jesus came down from eternity and the Christmas story was born. He came to give you himself because the greatest gift is getting known. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, this is what he says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. He's the greatest reward. When I know him, I can walk through hell or high water knowing he's walking with me. I can walk through seasons with the right perspective knowing he's aligning things when I'm working. I know that God is doing something when I'm not. This is what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not dependent on your works or your performance or your pedigree. You can do all the right things and build a lavish lifestyle or you can choose to trust God and walk in purpose and watch lives be changed around you. But the difference is this. Will you choose courage or will you choose comfort? Because comfort won't allow you to walk in purpose very long because you're gonna have to leave some things in order to follow him well. And Gabriel, as I close here, I got three minutes. Gabriel lays out the whole plan. Here's what's gonna happen, here's how you're gonna get pregnant, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, all this stuff. And then this is is her response, like this is her moment of faith. All right, I'll lay my life down, I'll do whatever you ask. And her response right here is this, and a lot of us have said the same thing. How? (laughs) How are you gonna use me? I'm a virgin. How are you going to use me? A lot of us have said this. How are you going to use me? I'm I'm broken. How are you going to use me? I haven't got this thing together yet. How are you going to use me? I don't got the money. I don't got the looks. I don't got the abilities. I can't do these things. And he says, she says the same thing that we say. How will you use me? And what I found a lot of the times in our response to God is how, is it's not indicative of how we see God. It's indicative of how we see ourselves. We don't doubt God can do it. We doubt God can use us because you know you, and you wouldn't choose you. But friend, I need you to hear me loud and clear right now. God knows you best, and he chooses you most. God loves you most, and he knows you most. That's a scary thought, at the end of my life, the most successful way I can ever define what I want the end of my life to be like, is I wanna be 90, and I wanna be whatever age I am when I'm near my end. And I want the people who are closest to me to love me the most. But a lot of times this isn't the reality because we push away from the people who are closest to us. So Mary, her response was, "How, how are you going to use me?" And I, I actually grew up here in preachers. I'm turning this over so I can be done now. I, I grew up here in preachers say things like, I go to summer camps and I listen to messages, and all the preachers' dialogue was the same. God can use the courageous. God can use the fearless, God can use the audacious. So I grew up, even being a pastor, getting ready to to join ministry, thinking God can't use me, I'm I'm more afraid than I'm not. There's more days where I have anxiety than I don't. There's more days where I don't think God can use me because I wouldn't use me. I need somebody to hear this. Mary was reluctant. Mary wasn't making herself available. Mary questioned herself, and yet God chose her. And I guess what a lot of us have probably missed over our journeys, is I guess I just didn't know that God can use the fearful ones, the anxious ones, the worried ones. You ever felt that before when God's called you to something? Let me remind you, he'll still use you. He still sees you. He'll still do something great in you do not cancel yourself because of how you see yourself. The way he sees you is greater than how you could ever even imagine. I think it's amazing that this closes. Ben, you can come back up because I'll keep talking. I love how this closes is Gabriel gives Mary a little bit of context. He says, I'm gonna do all these things. She says, how? He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And just to give her a little bit more of a push, he says, uh, you, you, you know your, your, your relative Elizabeth? She goes, yeah, who was barren. Yeah, yeah. never been able to have kids. He said, she is six months pregnant. Built her faith a little bit. And then he said this one sentence at the end that just messed me up. He said, nothing will be impossible with God. But I don't think you heard it right. Because over time in scripture, there's a lot that says nothing is impossible for God, but that's not what Gabriel said. He said, nothing will be impossible with God. Now we know nothing's impossible for God, otherwise God wouldn't be God, but God's God all by himself, he doesn't need our help. But God is God because he can do everything without any help. So instead of saying nothing nothing will be impossible for God, Gabriel says nothing will be impossible with God. Do you know what this means? This means that when he calls you, he'll walk with you. Marriage will not be impossible with God. That struggle will not be impossible with God. That season that you're enduring right now will not be impossible with God. God will walk because he is Emmanuel, God, with us. Not not just God for us, but God with us. He invites us into partnership. So today I'm gonna close, but maybe you've come in here today and you've, you've relied on comfort. You haven't walked in courage. There's something in your heart that you have yet to lean into. And today God sent me to remind you today's your day to step out in faith friend today's your day to see him really work to see him do what you could never do but he invites you in a partnership and if you need courage can i tell you the best place to find it is on the cross the best place of courage is found on the cross jesus humbled himself and died for our sins. He paid the bill we never could have. He humbled himself so people could say what they want and do what they want. But that is the greatest look of courage when he took himself to the cross. And so maybe you've come in today and you've never given your life to Jesus. Friend, let me tell you, the Christmas story is not about a manger. That manger was not comfortable. That manger was one of courage. Knowing what Jesus was being born into was being born to give his life for you and for me that when we failed and we walked away and we never should have. He's still reminded me I have a future for you and a hope for you. Friend, he's paid for all of your sins, your debt, your bill that you owe, canceled. That's the greatest gift that you have no more debt because of what Jesus has done for you. Come on, can we stand to our feet? Let's pray. We're gonna sing a little bit here, but I wanna pray for some people. I wanna pray for some people in here today that maybe you've came in and you've never given your life to Jesus. Today is your day, friend. He's been pursuing you. You're here today because he's been trying to speak to you and engage with you. And today is your day where nothing will ever be the same again. Can I ask you to close your eyes all over the room? If that's you, you've never given your life to Jesus, would you lift up your hand? I wanna pray for you. I wanna know today who wants to receive the free gift of salvation. That's That's amazing, that's amazing. That's amazing, that's amazing, that's amazing. Jesus, I thank you for every hand lifted in this place. God, their hands that you know well, that you love so deeply. God, thank you that took you to the cross where you paid for all their sin and all of their debt, that their past will no longer define them, but you have a hope and a future for them. Everything changes because they lifted their hands. I pray that they would surrender their hearts daily to you. Jesus, we thank you for these lives. All of heaven is in the greatest celebration. It's happening right now so we give you honor and we give you praise in jesus name can you put your hands together for every hand lifted in this place (laughs) lastly hey today you came in here and you've been on the edge of your seat trying to make this step of faith and you've been reluctant to do so i think today i'm not going to ask you to lift your hand but you know who you are God's been speaking to you. God's been dealing with you. And today the reminder was that he is calling you to take a step out, to take a risk in faith. And if that's you today, all I want to ask for you is as they sing this song, I want you to lift up your hands and just let the declaration of Mary be the declaration of us. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me. Whatever you want to use me for, let it be to me. Come on, can we lift up our hands all over this place and let's sing. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the Waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.